You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where sometimes we talk about Marvel movies. And today we are talking about the Marvel movie to end all Marvel movies. Not really. That would be a good description for Endgame. But actually, we're talking about a movie everyone on Earth has already seen, hopefully you included. We're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. This movie just came out and made a gazillion dollars. We're probably a little late to the party talking about it, but this is our first episode of the year and feels like the most appropriate way to start off the year is to talk about Spider-Man. This is a full spoilers episode. I give a quick spoiler warning at the beginning. I think Pierre gives a quick spoiler warning before we go into like major, major, major spoilers. But straight up, if you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to, go do that first because this movie is, like I said, full spoilers. Um, you are about to hear something by Michael Giacchino from this movie. And straight up, this is this is a movie where even the soundtrack has spoilers. So, like, this is your final spoiler warning. Don't even listen to the next song if you don't want spoilers. Here it comes. This is from Spider-Man No Way Home. listening to another episode of classic movies live the pre-recorded show where we talk about marvel movies actually you know what up until recently we hadn't talked about a lot of marvel movies i think our first one on this show was technically Endgame, but then we didn't talk about any other marvel movies until no no we talked about captain marvel okay marvel wait sorry the first one are you talking about the first one yeah i guess the first one we talked about was captain marvel yeah but like it feels like we haven't talked about a lot of Marvel movies, but I think that more or less we've actually talked about everyone that's come out since Captain Marvel. There's just that one year where there were no Marvel movies. Yeah, basically. Wait, 2020. Yeah, I guess there weren't any movies in 2020. There were no MCU movies. There was New Mutants, which we talked about, which... We did. I, <laughs> you know, did like, that movie that. wasn't good, but I did enjoy it a lot. Like, it was a fun movie. 
It was decent. It might have been more fun just because of how much history that movie had brought with it. I don't know, because it wasn't good. It was very no. much a mess, <laughs> but like yeah. it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about New Mutants. We're here to talk about the MCU, specifically Spider-Man, which I'm a little shocked we've never talked about at length on this because like, well, I mean, I guess we normally talk about new movies, so it kind of makes sense in that regard. But like, I don't know if our viewers know that or if our listeners know this, but Spider-Man 2 is my favorite movie of all time. And somehow we've just like never talked about that that much. I guess Dark Knight is your favorite movie and we've never had an episode on that either. I think it might be, the more I think about it, it's probably actually into the Spider-Verse when I think about it. I might switch it. The Dark Knight, I think, was definitely the movie that inspired me the most to like look at film though. So there's a lot of bias there, I'd say. I really do think that eventually, like maybe this summer or something, we need to go and do a series just going back on and looking back at our favorite movies, respectively. That would be whichever cool. those are. Or superhero um, movies. <laughs> I could talk about yeah. that. I mean, I'm always on the I'm always on the lookout for like new series of episodes we can do. I've got some ideas and superhero movies. If we can find an interesting way to do it, that could yeah, be Yeah, that's the thing. There's no way it hasn't been done already. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. One thing I don't want to do is like, let's talk about all of the MCU. We'll start with Iron Man. Then we'll talk about the next one, which I Definitely guess is Iron Man 2. Probably been which done like, before. Not only probably, I'm sure it's been done four different times and I can find it on Spotify in three seconds. Yeah. We could do just like a Marvel rejects, like just like do all of them, the all the Marvel movies that no one has actually seen or <laughs> wants to see. Like what we got Blade and like ghost rider and daredevil and electra i don't know if blade counts like we would have to go a little more obscure than just blade we're going to specifically talk about blade trinity then the oh, electra. yeah oh oh yeah then maybe like the cap live action captain america movie from like the 80s or something <laughs> do you know if the original fantastic well not original the 90s fantastic four movie is available we gotta watch that one there is. I actually didn't know that was real. I thought that was like a... I don't know if you've seen Arrested Development, but they make... There's like a season-long joke about that movie that I thought it was... So I thought it was fake until... I mean, maybe now, depending actually, on your know. definition of real, it kind of is fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it, was, it made it was in like a week released. or something? It was made really quickly. It never actually released to theaters. Um, it was basically made internally within the studio so that they can keep the rights yeah very respectable but so with spider-man we're going to talk about no way home Mm -hmm. and before we get right into it i'm just going to say i don't know if it's impossible to talk about without spoiling but like i don't want to do that we're just going to spoil this movie because it's easier to talk about when we spoil it and there's a lot of stuff that we'd just be dancing around if we didn't And realistically, if you don't want to be spoiled for Spider-Man No Way Home, you're probably not going out of your way to listen to podcasts about Spider-Man No Way Home. And if you are, I would advise you, maybe don't listen to the rest of this one because we are going to spoil it possibly right away. I'm not going to start with the biggest spoilers, but if they come up, I'm also not going to stop myself. We'll gradually work our way up. Mm-hmm. to the better spoilers or more interesting ones so pierre this movie is interesting for a lot of different reasons for one i don't know if you knew this but this movie 
pretty much crashed Cineplex's website for a day and a half when the tickets went on sale. That was fun, trying to get tickets for that. I've only seen it once. I think you've seen it twice now. Three times. Three times. I wanted to go see it a second time, but when I went to go see it, it was entirely sold out the entire night. Granted, I didn't check. Like, we were going to go to the last showing of the night, but when I went there, I saw every single showtime was sold out still. And that this was probably two or three weeks after it came out. So it's it's, it's doing strong. gangbusters. It's already, uh, what, the 10th highest grossing domestic movie of all time. Maybe ninth now. I think it passed it. Passed it. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, it's, it's doing really good during a pandemic. It's Sony's best performing movie ever, I think. Yeah, already. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. even need the. <laughs> it's not done yet, but because I think what this this should have at least like one point five, one point six, for sure. Even without China, which is crazy, because mm-hmm. I know China loves Marvel movies. I'm pretty sure, especially Spider Man. So this could have been like definitely 2 billion like this is this is at event avengers infinity war type of event basically and um actually like the movie kind of backs that up this is definitely approached as an event movie despite a lot of other things we'll probably get into but like this movie is the end of the marvel spider-man trilogy at least the first one because like there's going to be more Spider-Man movies. I don't know when they're going to be. I don't know how they're going to be approached, but like Spider-Man is the biggest cash cow in superhero movies. So maybe I'm being extremely cynical, but like there is no way that there will ever be no Spider-Man movies now that that cat's out of the bag. Anyway, it's it's the (laughs) end of a Spider-Man trilogy. It's sort of the culmination of a pretty big part of the Marvel cinematic universe right now. We were talking before this, and I think you said it's basically the sequel to, or the culmination of like 10 different Marvel MCU movies. In a way, it kind of caps off a trilogy of trilogy of Spider-Man movies, like a trilogy of Spider-Man trilogies in that, I mean, it's the end of the third trilogy of Spider-Man movies. It's like the, the rise of Skywalker, but like, is that what it's called? It's like the Rise of Skywalker of Spider-Man movies, I guess. I Three guess. different generations of Spider-Man, except this one was good. <laughs> well, I was going to say, except unlike Rise of Skywalker, this one wasn't unintentionally one of the most hilarious movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was still really funny. This this movie did have an evil scavenger hunt, but it wasn't a scavenger hunt performed by an evil person and therefore an evil scavenger hunt like in The Rise of Skywalker. This was a scavenger hunt to find different evil people, which evil scavenger hunt, but in name only. Yeah, if only that's what Rise of Skywalker did. Maybe that could have saved the movie. Who knows? So I think like... The first thing I want to talk about, before I'm, I'm going to have you summarize this movie, but the first thing, I, but the way I want to introduce that is with the big elephant in the room. Now, we don't know how he did it, but somehow Doc Ock has returned. Yeah. All his glory. Yeah, he returns thanks to, uh, I guess, I guess this is in the trailers, trailer, so just Doc, Doctor Strange accidentally. Wait, okay, no, I guess I'll start Peter Parker's identity has been revealed after the events of far from home by mysterio and uh what he he's trying to live his life with everyone knowing he's spider-man and as they say in the movie he's the most famous person on the planet now 
especially because I guess all the other famous Avengers are kind of gone. So he's the most famous person on the planet and he just wants to live a normal life, go to college with his girlfriend and his best friend, MJ and Ned. What? So then he asked Doctor Strange to potentially remove everyone's memory of knowing he's Spider-Man, which messes up and brings in Spider-Man villains from different universes that know he's Spider-Man. I think. But no, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yeah, they had, so they have to know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Even though a couple of villains were left out, I think on purpose. <laughs> I think there was a couple exceptions there. And then they came, like, Electro was brought back. I don't think he ever learned Peter Parker's identity in the Spider-Man movies, but they just brought him back anyways. Well, um, just for a little bit of context, specifically, Electro was brought back from the Amazing Spider-Man movies so like i mean you you've pretty much hinted at this anyone who's listening to this knows what you're saying but i want to just emphasize when you say people are being brought in from different universes spider-man villains are being brought in from previous spider-man movies yeah so we have like all these returning stars dr octopus green goblin sandman lizard and electro and i guess they've Mm -hmm. left out like venom and uh Harry, o- Harry Osborn's Green Goblin, which I don't think anyone was complaining about <laughs> when they left it like that. So um, there's five of them. They're like a like a sinister, no, a, fi- a furious five kind of. Yes, thing. exactly. Yeah, I mean there was technically six. Um, actually, well, if you count Venom, but he just he showed up in the wrong place. <laughs> he showed up in the wrong oh, yeah. place. And he just didn't really do anything. Although um, it's. That's pretty weird. You know what? We'll talk about Venom in a second. I have some weird... I have some notes on Venom. Sure. But yeah, so that's basically... So Peter has to track down these people and bring them back to their respective universes, which uh, ensues over the course of the movie. I don't know if I should say anything else because it still feels weird spoiling the whole movie in the summary. I think, like, the, the last thing I would say about that is Doctor Strange asks Peter to go around and collect these villains, basically, to send them back to their own universes. But, and this is where, like, the plot ensues, Peter doesn't want to do that because what he finds out is that all of these villains in their respective universes are, like, about to die. Because they all find out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but they do it like right before they die. So he's like, well, what if we try and save them instead of sending them back to die? And I think that's like a really, really important part of the movie to point out because specifically this movie then becomes not about defeating the villains as it is in most superhero movies. It's about saving the villains, which isn't like unheard of in superhero movies, but it is tragically uncommon yeah it was i mean it's cool looking back at the past spider-man movies because i guess in for the new spider-man none of the villains were really had any issues if that makes like they weren't these weren't fixable issues they were just kind of mostly like the vulture was just kind of a guy that was stealing money like he wasn't evil evil or sick or anything Mm -hmm. um and then mysterio i was kind of insane but it wasn't like something you could cure i think it was more like he needed therapy if anything else. Uh, yeah i mean both of them were just criminals they were yeah. super powered criminals at a certain point but like they started off by being kind of bad dudes and all of the previous spider-man villains like from uh, the amazing spider-man from the sam raimi spider-man movies 
all of them were villains and like worse were criminals, but at least to some degree, all of them had like something that they couldn't control. Like in Sam Raimi's movies, both of his villains were driven crazy by forces outside of their control. In the Amazing Spider-Man movies, both of those villains were altered by coming into contact with radioactive animals, which they couldn't control, obviously. Kind of, yeah. Like that's, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that, that might have influenced, like, that definitely influenced who they brought back to, I guess. But yeah, that's a common theme in Spider-Man villains. Lots of scientists that end up a victim of their own creation, I guess. Except for Sandman, yeah. he just kind of fell in the wrong place. Which was unfortunate, but yeah. There's a really funny scene in this where Sandman is talking to uh, Electro. Sandman's like, yeah, I fell in a particle accelerator. And Electro goes, yep, I fell into a vat of electric eels. He's (laughs) like, yep, that'll give you powers. (laughs) Um, I'm paraphrasing heavily, but still. It's it's cool how they kind of link that thing in common with all the the main villains um Mm -hmm. and they were great i i was really happy with i i initially was kind of worried that they would at least for like the the raimi villains i feel like they were all given a very specific arc that uh was enjoyable and i thought raimi brought a lot to the like i didn't think they would do doc ock as well this time as they did in spider-man 2 right because he was like downright perfect in that movie yeah um but they brought him back and honestly like i i think he he was a little cartoonish at some points, which I didn't like. But I mean, overall, I thought he was he played the role really well. The the scene where he comes in was really intense too. I think they really upped the the violence in the Spider Man movie because before I haven't been impressed with the action sequences in the Spider Man movies yet until I saw this. Um, and that first fight was just really really cool. And it was not just cool like visually, but like, it was brutal to watch. Like like mm-hmm. Doc Ock was like savage with him. I think it kind of highlights how different these movies are because Sam Raimi's villain... Well, first off, in in these previous MCU Spider-Man movies, the villains have been people who, at the end of the day, still need to function in regular society. Like, the Vulture has a mask, so as soon as he's done terrorizing the town as the Vulture or, like, doing whatever he wants to do as the Vulture, he can take off the mask and then, like, you know, walk around. But he can't have his mask off and like go ham on a bridge, for example. And Mysterio is trying to like, he's specifically trying to be a charismatic hero in his persona. So obviously he has to like pay attention to what kind of destruction he causes and try to remain, try, try to maintain as good of an image as he can in the Sam Raimi movies, both of his villains in, well, most of his villains go insane and they can just cause havoc. Like, once Norman Osborn becomes the Green Goblin, he doesn't have to exist in society as Norman Osborn anymore. He can just, mm-hmm. like, he, he can just be let loose in town. Same with uh, Otto Octavius. So, like, in that first scene where Otto is brought in and he just is smashing up a bridge, throwing cars left and right, no MCU Spider-Man villain so far would do that. But a Sam Raimi Spider-Man villain, that would be his intro scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was really cool. I liked it a oh, lot. Yeah. yeah, and then same thing. Uh, San- I noticed with, uh, it seems like they couldn't get the actors for Sandman and Lizard on set because um, think- of COVID reasons. 
Ah. Um, which is really, I was really sad about just, I think the, I mean, Lizard was kind of like, I, I don't know, I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't really care that much about him. They, it was obvious, like, Sandman and Lizard were just kind of there to pad out the numbers. They, they didn't really have, like, an arc in the movie or whatever. Um, and the actors not being there also kind of really added to that that feeling of they were just kind of there for no reason, which is kind of disappointing because I think, I really think, uh, you know, Sandman was, had a lot of potential to be just as good as uh, Doc, Doc Ock or Green Goblin in the Raimi movies if he had his own movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was kind of overshadowed by a lot of other stuff in that movie and didn't get a chance. And he wasn't really redeemed in this one, even though he was still like a nice addition, I guess. No, but I thought his arc in this one actually made a lot of sense. Uh, I, I actually quite liked Sandman's arc in this. I think that, I don't know if it was necessarily the ideal arc for Sandman, but basically Sandman's arc in this is that he just really, really wants to go back to his universe. He doesn't care about anything. And like, it kind of speaks to his character as set up in the Sam Raimi universe that he is a well-meaning dumbass. (laughs) Yeah. In this movie, like he just wants to go back to his universe at all costs, but he's absolutely willing to like help out and just be uh, and like go along with Peter's plan to save everybody until eventually at the end, he's like, Oh shit, I guess I have to fight Peter now. And so, yeah, again, it's not a perfect arc for him, but I think it did reflect, you know, the character, it it was the same character as in the Sam Raimi ones. And I think that it was, I think it worked within this though. He was very, very secondary. He was definitely overshadowed. Yeah, which is fair. I guess they couldn't really give focus to everyone. They did fix, like, I mean, Electra. I like how they just completely changed Electra's character. Like, they were, they were literally just like, I think Kevin Feige was like, I don't, I like Jamie Foxx. I don't like this interpretation of all of the characters. So we'll just say he feels different in this new universe and has changed his, basically his personality and like his entire way of acting, essentially, which I liked. I, I thought that was, I was very fine with that. <laughs> well, and it, it gave him a cool excuse where like every villain has a stance on whether or not they want to go back to their own universe and like how, what they think of Peter's plan for Electro. He specifically wants to stay in this universe because he's cool here. So like he just wants to be in the universe where he's not a huge nerd, which like, I think that gives him a pretty good character arc in this movie. It is, as you said, a completely different character from the other one. But I think that the, the character transition was handled and or hand waved appropriately. Yeah. It didn't I, seem like super out of place. I thought the I thought the way they wrapped up kind of his I guess arc with Spider-Man. It was like it was really cool seeing him and I guess this is a spoiler. <laughs> I'll just say it. Him yeah, and Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire are in this movie. <laughs> um, but it was really cool to see him kind of have that conversation with Andrew Garfield at the end where I feel like it was like what I kind of always wanted to see in amazing Spider-Man two, where he just, it said, it felt like he just wanted to talk to his idol, if that makes sense. And he never got to. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like a much sweeter way of ending that, that, that interaction rather than Spider-Man just straight up killing him. Um, mm-hmm. and the amazing Spider-Man too. But yeah. Um, lizard was decent. I don't, he was, he had he had very little to do. They they really did him dirty, but I, I also don't really care that much because there wasn't much there. 
Yeah, I don't really know how to even talk about Blizzard because I tend to like Spider-Man movies. I even didn't hate this, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, I just absolutely hated. I could not stand that movie. So I've only seen it the one time and like I barely remember it, unfortunately. So I really can't speak to The Lizard because no. I hated everything about <laughs> that movie, cool. including great. The Lizard. Yeah, I, I actually, I rewatched it because I remember I, I, before if you asked me, I would say The Amazing Spider-Man is maybe the the second best Spider-Man movie. But now I'd probably say it's like tied for last, maybe. I don't know. It's it's not even like bad. It's just boring. Like there's nothing mm. really special about it. Um, and at least The Amazing Spider-Man 2 has like the, I think has like some really cool action scenes and the, I, I thought the Gwen Stacy stuff was relatively well done. But yeah, it's actually really boring. And same thing with The Lizard. Like, because I, you could definitely tell The Lizard was supposed to be basically like their version of Norman Osborn. Like, you know, half of, he's sane, but then like half of him is insane. And he has that yeah. alternate personality. But it just never really works because you never liked the original Kurt Connors was just kind of always not that likable. So yeah, they kind of skipped him over. But speaking of Norman Osborn, oh my God. He stole the movie from me. I thought by far the best. Now I will say he he was by far my favorite Spider-Man villain out of any of these movies so far. Um, yeah. And that's like, I, I thought they did him way better in this movie than in Spider-Man 1. And I, I was just amazed. Every time he was on screen, I was I was amazed by him. And this just, com- like, Willem Dafoe just keeps wowing me. I can't get enough of this guy. I gotta say, like, over the last couple of years... Everything I've seen Willem Dafoe in has been just one of the best performances of that year. It's just incredible. And like, this is no exception. Uh, I I have heard that Marvel wants to campaign this movie for the Oscars and we'll see who cares. But like, if there was any part of this movie that I think would be awards mentionable, it's literally just Willem Dafoe. He's incredible in this movie. And like, this is, he owns this character so entirely that I can't even imagine any other Norman Osborn. Like they introduced Norman Osborn in the amazing Spider-Man movies. And like, I, he was sick in a bed. I don't he was there for like two yet. minutes. He, he wasn't really a presence at all. He was like, Harry, I've always hated you. Oh. <laughs> and we have cancer sick. in our family and it turns us green. <laughs> yeah. It's very convenient. Um, but yeah, I don't... Honestly, this is probably my favorite... This, like, might be my favorite, like, performance. At least as a villain in a superhero movie. Like, like even... This is, like... If, if he had more time, I... Because the, the movie wasn't really Green Goblin's movie, right? This was definitely more of a Peter-sided story. But if he had, like, his own, like, movie as, like, the main villain and no one else, I... This is legit, like... It, it could rival Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. You killed them. We killed them. We? Remember your little accident in the laboratory? The performance enhancers. Bingo. Me, your greatest creation. Bringing you what you've always wanted. Power beyond your wildest dreams. And it's only the beginning. There's only one who can stop us. Or 
Imagine if he joined us. I want to take a step back here because as we've been talking, I've kind of been uh, haphazardly putting together an agenda for talking points here because I'm, I'm sort of writing down what you're saying and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to put a little bit more structure to it because I think that we actually can talk about this a little structure, just a little behind the scenes there. But the first thing that I wanted to ask is... We've already talked about how this movie is a sequel to so many movies, including like literally everything we're just saying. We keep talking about the amazing Spider-Man. We keep talking about Spider Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I want to ask, this is a really hard question for me to answer, and I have a feeling it'll probably be a hard question for you to answer too. Do you think this movie works on its own? Uh, like, no. <laughs> it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> It's it's like it's an event movie, like we said earlier. So it's like mm-hmm. I mean I think it's enjoyable, but it's like if you watch Infinity War without watching any of the other movies, I think it's like the same experience. You wouldn't really you would be missing a lot of the context, which is why I'm kind of surprised it was rated pretty highly actually, like by critics. I thought it'd be trashed on a bit because it relies a lot not on, not just on like movies before, but I mean like literally different franchises. So well. But see, that's that's where I kind of disagree, and maybe I can maybe I can illuminate a little bit of that for you because, like, you specifically mentioned Infinity War, and I think that's a great comparison. But I would say that while Infinity War is heavily, heavily enhanced, if you have seen the rest of the MCU, what makes Infinity War so good is that Infinity War actually does stand alone, and. I can't say it stands entirely alone because I have never had the experience of watching Infinity War without any watching any other MCU movies. But Infinity War has a solid story that if that's the only movie you watch, it's still a coherent, cohesive narrative. And I think that this one actually also fits that bill. I have seen all the Spider-Man movies, so I am not the perfect judge of that. But I think that this movie, like, it's not so reliant on the earlier movies for you to understand the basic plot and what's going on that you couldn't watch this blind. I mean, no, I think you could, I, I, whether you would appreciate it as much. Yeah. That I definitely don't think you would. Yeah. Especially like a, um, a context where I think a lot of the emotional payoff in like the ending, I think wouldn't really, really do much like there's a lot of like not just small references but i mean like like peter's whole arc of i guess when he he's basically reset and like he loses all everything he had before i think matters a lot more and if you get the context of like he he was an avenger that had a lot of friends i guess in this (laughs) like he wasn't like a loner because i I mean if you look at like if you went back to like the toby Maguire movies and you Doctor Strange cast a spell where no one knew Peter Parker. Nothing would change <laughs> because yeah. he knew like Mary Jane and like his Aunt May, and that's it, right? And you know, well, but it's the same with Andrew Garfield. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. He, he, it was only really Gwen Stacy, and she's dead. So <laughs> yeah. So, but in this, you know, in this franchise, he's you know he he's made a lot of he had a lot of character arcs with other superheroes, and he's a lot more connected with the world. Um, um, like they said, he's the most famous person on the planet, and uh, now he's literally going from to being a complete nobody. Well, and we're set up now after this movie in a place where if 
for some reason, and this won't happen, but if for some reason Marvel decided to revert all of the rights to Spider-Man completely to Sony and Spider-Man is just no longer in the MCU, you could do that. They won't do that, but you could because we're at a place now where Mar- where Spider-Man, form- future Spider-Man movies do not have to have any connection to the MCU. Yeah, which I think will really be nice. In- I think it's a really interesting place for an MCU movie to end because like, I think we were talking about this before the podcast. We might've talked about it on it already. Every MCU movie is after Iron Man is by default, a sequel to some other movie, mm-hmm. like even Shang-Chi, which is the first movie in the Shang-Chi series, whatever that ends up being is kind of see uh, like it, it has winks and nods to other movies in the universe that came before because it's like the 20th movie in the universe. So every MCU movie is inherently a sequel. And so every MCU movie also like leaves off with a sequel teaser. And like this one kind of doesn't. Uh, this movie leaves us in a position where that's almost antithetical to the MCU where it's like, I mean, obviously there will be sequels to this movie and future MCU movies can and will reference this movie probably. But like, this is the weird MCU movie that ends with, this is probably the only MCU movie since Endgame that ends with no like specific indication of what comes next. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I it's a, a palate cleanser, I guess. So yeah, I, I think it'll be cool, especially because I think it puts up a lot of mystery for the future. Like I... I think a lot of people thought, oh, Spider-Man's going to be like one of the next main players in the, the Marvel universe. But now I think it'd be really weird to see him in the next Avengers movie. I actually do kind of wonder if coming out of this, because like the next Spider-Man related movie to come out is going to be Morbius later this month. <laughs> yeah. And that movie has uh, Michael Keaton in it as the Vulture. He's reprising his role. So that movie probably takes place in the MCU. I doubt it will be very related to something like Iron Man, but like, I wonder to a degree if Marvel and Sony might start building out that Spider-Man universe in a way that's now after this movie, it becomes easier to build that kind of on its own, but it's inherently in the MCU. And then eventually whenever they reach whatever backroom business dealings they need to, they can just mush the whole thing together. I, I could try talking about this, but I literally don't understand what they're trying to do. Like, I, neither, not, you, neither do I. Like, I'm just saying that, like, considering there seems to be no plan, it's a lot easier to have no plan when you finish your movie with a way that, with with no indication of a future plan that's and true, no requirement yeah. for a future plan. It's, Sony can potentially do more with, with the way it's set up now, which might have been part of the deal, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost a safeguard for Marvel now where you're right. Like if he does disappear from future Marvel movies, it it makes canonical sense. And it's not just Peter Parker went to his planet or something, (laughs) whatever that meme is from the Simpsons. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I, I, I do like that, but I'm excited. I do really hope they, they try to keep him in the, in universe, if that makes sense. Even if it's like Mm -hmm. his own solo movies with just hints. Um, because I, I, I really think I really miss the, I guess, grounded Spider-Man movies. I'd like to see that again, especially with when we had that with, I thought, you know, Homecoming and Far From Home were relatively, actually, no, Far From Home wasn't grounded. 
Homecoming was relatively grounded, and that was nice and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Actually, this kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about next. What I liked about the ending of this movie, and like, I guess, sor- sorry for spoiling literally the ending of this movie, but what I liked about the ending of this movie is it sets, it actually sets up Tom Holland in basically the exact same place that the movie Spider-Man 2 featuring Tobey Maguire starts. Not exactly, Mm -hmm. but, like, he's at that status quo. So we can see, like, someone kind of take over doing Spider-Man movies in the way that Sam Raimi used to. Because I would like... uh, Because, like, that was what was missing for me from Amazing Spider-Man and from these newer Spider-Man movies is, like... Uh, as you said, grounded. Tobey Maguire is just like the specific universe that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man exists in is, is is so much different than Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland because Tom Holland has all these other superheroes and he exists in like a pretty metropolitan Queens. I mean, they're all in Queens, mm-hmm. but like Tom Holland's is pretty metropolitan and like he doesn't spend a lot of time as a street level hero. Andrew Garfield is kind of all over the place, but it kind of has a little more of a, I'm going to say spy movie vibe, not entirely, but like more so than the other Spider-Man movies where Tobey Maguire, like I'm going to keep coming back to this. My favorite movie of all time is (laughs) Spider-Man two. And like the beginning of Spider-Man two is such a perfect sequence because it shows Tobey Maguire. uh, It shows Spider-Man like having to deliver pizzas as Spider-Man because he can't pay rent. And then like, immediately afterwards not being able to pay rent going to college and having done none of his homework and like these are all conflicts that spider-man deals with and that we haven't really seen any other spider-man deal with in the same way mm-hmm. and i don't want tom holland to become the new toby Maguire spider-man i just think it would be interesting to see another character exist in a universe that reminds me of that original sam raimi spider-man universe because we haven't seen it yet. So it would be a cool place for Tom Holland Spider-Man to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I, I mean, that's what I really find. I, I love Spider-Man 2. I mean, I guess Spider-Man 1 kind of did it too. But um, I love Spider-Man in general. Because, like, a lot of the other Marvel movies, I feel like, very much, like, escapist, like, realities. Like, when I watch Thor, I'm like, man, that stuff's so cool, right? But then if I watch Spider-Man, I'm like, oh, this, this movie... <laughs> I don't want to be Peter Parker. His life looks like hell, you know? Yeah. I really like that because it's, it. I guess it's more of a story of us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which while like, I guess more depressing is also, you know, more relatable. And I think really helps you see Peter Parker. Cause I, I never saw Peter Parker as like the most noble person. Right. I think he makes a lot of mistakes, but I like how he's like, he's not like Captain America in terms of he's not praised for what he does. He's just, he tries to do the right thing and he messes up a lot and that's like everyone, you know, and I love that about it. Um, but yeah, in the, in the new Spider-Man movies, I just notice a lot of, he messes up, but he's still kind of rewarded in the end and it doesn't really make any sense, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is all right, but it doesn't feel like the core mythos of Spider-Man, if that makes sense. But I actually, this movie, I think brought that back a lot, especially at the end where, you know, he, he basically had it all. And then he made a mistake with the spell and then he had to own up for his actions and basically lose everything he had because of it. Mm-hmm. And he's still, but he's still trying to be better. And I thought that was like a nice way to end this trilogy because it was probably the most, one of the most Spider-Man moves ever to see him, you know, that scene where he's looking at MJ and Ned and he's like, 
sad. It's like very bittersweet where he's like, you know, he kind of knows he has to give them up for them to be like lead better lives. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. And yeah, one of the better Spider-Man moments like ever for me. So that was nice. Like that Mm -hmm. a lot. Speaking of Spider-Man moments, there are three Spider-Man in this movie. We've mentioned it. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page right now. And it's kind of funny because it says uh, Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker slash (laughs) Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Probably the worst kept secret going into this movie. Like Marvel has been very very tight-lipped about this movie. They did not want there to be any confirmation at all that there were three Spider-Man in this movie, and there never was any confirmation. I'm going to say everyone kind of knew it was going to be the case, but like more accurately, it was the biggest rumor going into this movie. I remember going when I was literally walking into this movie, my expectations were probably there are three Spider-Man in this movie. I have seen leaked images. I have read leaked plot summaries. But wouldn't it be weird if they, they everyone's just telling the truth? Every time Andrew Garfield says I'm not in this movie, he's what if he's just there. right? <laughs> yeah. But but no, there are three Spider-Man in this movie, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about them. We've talked a little bit about each of them already, uh, already but like just in this movie, what did you think of them? What did you think of uh, Andrew Garfield in this movie? Amazing. Amazing. I get it. Yeah, no, but honestly, he was amazing. <laughs> like, he yeah. was, he was actually like, even given his like, actually pretty limited screen time. I, I thought he stole the, he stole the show. Other than like, you know, Willem Dafoe, and you know, obviously, like, I think Tom Holland did a great job, right? Um, yeah. but Andrew Garfield just brought a whole nother level of like screen presence and charisma, and not only like charisma, like he wasn't just like another quippy like just he wasn't owning the scene if that made sense he wasn't just louder he was literally just like he he was he was likable and funny but also very like humble like he he didn't feel like he was just like completely off the wall or whatever um he had a lot of really emotional scenes too that again given like he 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 had very little screen time compared to a lot of other people but he all the moments hit and he did really good at that Yeah, thinking back, in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, probably, obviously, he was the best part. I haven't seen those movies in a while, so I don't know how much I really liked him in those movies. I know I didn't hate him, but, like, he played a very different Spider-Man from Tobey Maguire, and specifically, he was funnier as Spider-Man, but, like, not as interesting as Peter, and I thought that, like... Only his strengths were on display in this movie. He really, really got to be, like, more quippy, but also just better written as Peter. And also, he just got to bring that same energy that he used to bring to Spider-Man. Somehow or another, I think he was extremely elevated just by the fact that he was suddenly, I'm going to say, not the most powerful person in the room. Like, him being on the same level as two other Spider-Men. I don't want to say humbled him, but it brought him to a level of like, he was on equal footing with all these guys. So like, he was always trying to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool too. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, like he was just, in this Wikipedia thing, 
it, it says Andrew Garfield was given a role as the middle brother of the group. Mm-hmm. And he really felt like that. Like he looked up to Toby. He was a mentor figure to Tom. He was um, overall just like a really good Spider-Man and a really good Peter. He was great. I think he was probably of the side characters, definitely one of the standouts. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I love them. I, I honestly want to see, I mean, a, a lot of people have been talking about it, I guess online, but the, I think a, some type of sequel or a future for him as Spider-Man would be really cool to see. I um, want to see a future for Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I do not want to see the amazing Spider-Man three. I have yeah, no I, interest <laughs> in that. I do want to see Andrew Garfield continue as Spider-Man in some form. It'd have to be completely different. But yeah, I, I think it would be really cool. I think I heard someone say make him the Peter Parker of the Sony of the Sony Spider-Man universe, like Venom, Morbius, that stuff. And like I like that idea. Sure. Yeah, whatever. That could be cool. I yeah. It's not nothing too big. Um, but just mm-hmm. somewhere we could see more of him. So yeah, that that's that's awesome. Uh, Toby Maguire, what, what did you think? I I liked him. I thought I thought he was very good in this, and he filled the role that he was supposed to very well. If the three of them are brothers, he's the oldest brother, he's the most mentor figure, and he gets a really nice arc with Tom Holland that like culminates really sweetly at the end. I don't think he was as strong as in his own movies. I mean, I think that comes down to mostly the writing of the old movies. Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3, I hold in such high regard. And, like, Toby is the standout of all three of those movies. Mm. And in this movie, he's a side character. And he's great as a side character. But, like, where I think Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is better as a side character than as the lead of his own movie... I think it's the opposite with Tobey Maguire. I think he really is a very good leading Spider-Man. Or not as interesting as a supporting character. But I did really like seeing him. And I think he did a great job. Yeah, I, I kind of like... I, I guess he didn't take up more space than he needed, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say it was bad or anything. He just... I don't want to say it, actually. He, he, had a, he had a very humble presence. I think it was kind of interesting. He He played old Peter Parker. Like I kind of wish that there had been a line that implied any future after the third Spider-Man movie in a more concrete way. But like, this is a Spider-Man who exists several years after the end of Spider-Man three. And I really liked that. He played that particular role. Well, I just kind of wish I knew anything about the time between Spider-Man three and this one, but you know, that's not this movie's story to tell, maybe. Yeah, I actually didn't mind that. So, like, the focus of his character didn't feel like, oh, I want to know what happened after. It was just more like, he's there. Like, yeah. what matters for in that movie at that moment was there, and it wasn't serving. He wasn't serving as, like, an ultimate conclusion to Spider-Man 3, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Which I think would have well, taken away from the last act. Oh, I definitely agree. I think, like, what I'm trying to say is, personally... I want an ultimate oh, conclusion to that trilogy. <laughs> yeah. I think However, that's, that, that's, not this, that's not this movie's place. Yeah. And it doesn't sure. have to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I, I think he uh, he did really well with what he was given. I guess, like, you're right. I think it's just tough because 
it is also weird seeing him in a mentorship figure because the Spider-Man we knew in those movies was like an idiot. <laughs> like he didn't know, yeah, he didn't know what he was doing all the time. So like, like I, I like how literally like in some ways Tom Holland, uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man served as a mentor in terms of he knows how to work as a superhero, right? Because he had a mm-hmm. lot of superhero friends, so he's actually the expert in that area. Whereas like. Tobey Maguire had nothing so I think even like even though he'd been Spider-Man for like five years by Spider-Man 3 he was still like an idiot you know <laughs> well yeah it's kind of an interesting dynamic because there's no one Spider-Man that knows everything Tom Holland is important to this movie not just because it's his movie but his Spider-Man knows like you said how to be a superhero and how to work in a team the other spider-men know how to be spider-man but they've never had teammates they've never been with other superheroes they know how to be like it's weird because like they know how to be peter parker and they mentor him more on a personal level than as spider-man where he brings like the actual superhero experience which is kind of cool yeah so that that was like i guess a good dynamic they all had um, but yeah, that, I think that's why like he might have struggled because we were so used to seeing Tobey Maguire as like the loser. So to see him as like the most like put together person <laughs> and like mm-hmm. the mentor figure to everyone was like I think kind of odd to see, but like not bad. So I, I really no, liked it, him. It worked really well for this movie. Yeah. The final Spider-Man is Tom Holland. What oh do you yeah, think I of forgot. Tom I Holland's <laughs> arc in this movie. It was really good. I think Tom Holland keeps impressing as an actor, for sure. I like how he wasn't overshadowing the other Spider-Mans. I think they were all evenly balanced. Um, But he was given lots of, you know, I think good moments. I think, like, his whole thing with Aunt May, this movie, was really tragic but beautiful. And also, I mean, he he just lost a lot in this movie. It's honestly a really depressing movie when you think about it. Um, It doesn't feel that depressing leaving it because there's a lot of fun, but... Yeah, like he he really gets put put through it in this movie, and uh, he's given lots of moments to show his excellent acting abilities. And I I really think this made up a lot for his arc in this movie. Made up a lot for what frustrated me about the first two movies. So it, it was almost like just pay off. It made the other movies better in retrospect, um, because of how much he loses in this movie. Because again, in the other movies, it, it didn't ever feel like he was punished for his mistakes or what he was doing. Right. And then this movie, it, they like make up for, <laughs> for the other two movies in terms of that, like a lot. Well, I think it kind of like shows in the beginning of this movie, in the beginning of this movie, he kind of like behaves a little bit like a spoiled brat, not in general, but with his superhero friends, like he's bossing Dr. Strange around Dr. Strange. Who's like one of the most powerful creatures on the planet. And he's like, oh, do this for me because I'm because you're the easiest way for me to do this. I don't want to get on the phone with with a college. I want you to. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah. Please. And like, yeah, yeah. Um, he's entitled in a different way from what that normally means. But like he comes across as very entitled at the beginning of this movie. And he's he's humbled without being like completely shit on by the end. I mean, he kind of is, but like. It's not like he's torn apart and then we leave him on the saddest possible note. Like he just experiences human growth. Yeah. And um, like, I think that, that that was just really necessary. I don't know. And, but also like, it is really sad. Like, like, cause I guess like all the, 
all the moments he technically had with like other members of the Marvel universe are gone. I guess just like as a whole, like, you know, like, cause like that, that scene that's like with happy at the end, you know, we're like happy literally. Cause I remember I was confused at first. It's not that everyone forgets he's Spider-Man. They literally forget who Peter Parker is as a person. So it's like all of his life never happened in the eyes of, you know, everyone he loves. Right. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. I don't know. And like the, I guess the scene where, Aunt May dies was really, really Tom Holland really was sold that. I think that would that was it might have been a tough sell, but he he did really well there. Mm-hmm. Um reminded me of a lot of uh Toby or Andrew Garfield scene crying over Gwen Stacy, actually. I think they both did that really well. They're both better criers than Tommy Toby McGuire, I would say for sure. I think Yeah. I'm, I'm happy we didn't have to see Toby cry in this one, because that's something he's always struggled with. <laughs> Because he cried a lot in the other movies too, but mm. um, he's not good at it. So, yeah. See, the next thing I wrote down is uh, we've already talked a little bit about, we've not even a little bit. We started with a 20 minute discussion on this particular topic. I want to talk about the villains a little bit in this. There's three villains specifically I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about the one that gets the least amount of screen time first Venom. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, this movie's after credits scene is a sequel to the after credit scene of Venom 2, which is just a weird sentence, but um, it's it's got really weird implications. I don't know. I guess it was a fun scene. I thought it was nice to have Tom Hardy's Venom acknowledged in this movie. Uh, not even just acknowledged, he's in this movie. And he, he gets a little fun scene at the end. It sucks that he's immediately sucked back out of it because like part of the, one of the most interesting things about the second Venom movie is that it seemingly dissolved the Sony universe and just placed it in the MCU because I don't know, let's just do that now. And so they just like destroyed the universe and put it into the MCU. Apparently that's undone now. But the most interesting implication of that one is like, it implies that Eddie Brock knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, even though he had never heard of Peter Parker and never heard of Spider-Man. So I guess, well, I guess maybe it's the Venom symbiote knew that, but it's super weird. That scene has weird implications. The way I read it was just that it seems like the symbiotes have a hive mind that transcends multiple dimensions. So Venom of one universe knowing Spider-Man meant that they all kind of have that knowledge in any universe. That's kind of how I saw it. And then somehow that made Venom, <laughs> that brought Tom Hardy's Venom and not Topher Grace's Venom. But yeah, I, I, I think it was just like a way for, because it didn't really have any effect on the movie. So I didn't really no. care that much <laughs> and it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Not that they all made sense anyways, because again, like even from those universes, like if knowing Spider-Man brought them in, then like Gwen would have showed up and MJ would have showed up and Aunt May would have showed up. So, you know, they may have when they brought in Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, they were just roaming around. So, like, it's totally possible that just thousands of people appeared on Earth suddenly. Yeah, possibly. I I prefer not to think about it because I think it'd be really weird, like, like thinking that Andrew Garfield could have seen Gwen again. I think that would have been a whole different, you know, can of can of worms to open that we didn't really need to see in this movie. For sure. But but yeah, I, I, I mean, like, because also, like, the whole Electro being there still doesn't make sense because he, I don't think he ever really knew who Peter was. 
Um, no, I think he did. Unless Harry yeah, Osborne did. mentioned it. Did he? No, I right, at, right at the end, he found out. Are you sure? I thought that was Harry Osborne found out. Well, Harry Osborne and Harry Alexa didn't even were know until both the end. fighting on a team at the end. Yeah, and they were fighting on a team at the end when Harry found out. No, they don't. Harry comes in after Electro dies. And before oh. that, because they break into Oscorp together, because um, Harry breaks him up, but Harry doesn't know Sp- Peter's Spider-Man until after Electro dies, which is because he sees Gwen there, and he's like, oh, that, you're Spider-Man. Hmm. So logistically, like, that one didn't make sense either, but I'm fine with it because they it was nice having him there. Eventually this year, I'll go back and watch The Amazing Spider-Man, and then I will You'll figure it out. They're not consent. I will either agree or disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Venom. I thought, honestly, his scene at the end was really funny. I liked it. Oh, I yeah. thought it was kind of disappointing. I kind of wanted to see what else would happen. But I, either way, I think Venom facing the Peter Parker of this universe, at least, would have been really bad because um well it, it wouldn't no have been something contact. that i care that much to see in this movie but like the ending of this movie sort of implies that we won't get tom hardy and tom holland together which is something i would have liked and maybe it'll still happen who knows but like that's something i wanted to see and not in this movie but like it would have been cool uh, like it would be it would be cool in the future yeah um but i guess you know setting up the Black Spider-Man symbiote thing was cool enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of nice. Who, who who else did you want to talk about? You had three, right? Yeah, we hadn't talked that much about Dr. Octavius yet. Dr. Octopus. Hmm. Uh, I'm guessing you liked him in this movie. I hope. I mean, considering... I, I did. I did like him in this movie. I thought that... Uh, I think we've talked a little bit about him already, so maybe there isn't that much more to say on him. But, like, he worked really well in the MCU. And, like... Because, like, Alfred Molina was playing the character similarly to how he did in Sam Raimi, in Sam Raimi's universe. But, like, being the MCU, he was a lot more quippy and punchy. And, like, it worked without breaking his character, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I still, like, a couple of the lines were really, the whole laughing at his name thing I thought was, like, a little, eh, and kind of, it felt very MCU-y. And I think kind of, kind of distract, like, I like how they never, like, blatantly laughed at the name of spider-man 2 i don't know why it just felt like like it feels like a really obvious joke if that makes sense right yeah but i guess i mean that's not really a big deal but yeah i think they especially the way he switched from very menacing and then they switched him to regular auto octavius was really cool to see and he plays both sides of it really really well this works really well as a continuation of his character arc from Spider-Man 2 because uh, his character arc in this is essentially he's driven insane by that chip malfunction from Spider-Man 2. So they want to fix that chip malfunction. They want to give him a, a new chip so that he can just be Otto Octavius with his robot arms again. Yeah. And he goes along with the plan and he's super helpful. Like, I think it's really cool to see Otto Octavius this way because Dr. Octopus is in so many Spider-Man comics. So there's so many iterations of this character and so many ways he's been written because he's a really cool character that you can write in in a bunch of different ways. But like, he's been written as the menacing Norman Osborn type character that Norman Osborn was in this movie. And we don't see him like that here. He ends up, he is just like the sweet old doctor who is kind of full of himself, but does ultimately mean well 
just with a darker side to him that takes over when that, you know, chip fries his brain. Functions, yeah. And I liked how they, they brought him back. I was kind of disappointed. Like, I wish we saw more of him, you know, after he gets cured. Um, but I mean, yeah. he wasn't really necessary. So I guess his impact in the third act, while nice, I wish, I wish there was more, but I mean, like, I also don't know what else he could have given him to do. Well, I mean, essentially in Spider-Man 2, Dr. Octopus was a mentor character while he was sane. So mm. like, if we saw more sane Otto Octavius in this movie, he would be a mentor character. But that's already being filled by two different characters <laughs> and May. Yeah. So we don't necessarily need another one. Yeah. But yeah, either way, I think him bringing him back in the as much of him as possible was really nice. And we do get a lot of yeah. him either way. So yeah, he's, he's really cool. And uh, it's, he just, it's like he stepped out of Spider-Man too. It's so cool. How literally like what's been 17 years and it's, it's like he literally stepped from the movie into this movie. If that makes sense. Speaking of characters stepping back into old roles, the way they handled Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin in this was incredible. I mean, we've already gushed about Willem Dafoe. We will continue <laughs> fine to with do it, that. Yeah. yeah, we're going to continue doing that. But just his first scene where he's introduced in the alleyway and he's arguing with his darker half is like a scene straight out of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I saw that and I, I could not believe that was directed by John Watts in an MCU movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. That felt so much like any of the scenes where Norman Osborn is or Harry Osborn, Norman or Harry Osborn are just looking into a mirror and talking to themselves in any of the old Spider-Man movies. And it felt a lot less corny too. Like I'm not the like I mean it's part of Sam Raimi's like shtick to do that. I, I gotta be honest, I, I just I think they did a better in this movie, like completely. I think there was not just in terms of like, I think Willem Dafoe's perform. I think he's like, maybe he's just improved as an actor, but also like, you know, taking off his mask, I think really helped elevate his performance in a lot of ways. You could tell a lot of the scenes in original Spider-Man, I think were brought down because of the mask. <laughs> like you can't. Well, yeah. Cause he's this corny old power ranger flying around, on a, <laughs> yeah. flying around on a glider. And like, he's menacing enough in those movies, but those movies are, it's not that there's no darkness in those movies, but they're they're meant to be light and corny for a lot of it. Like that's just Sam Raimi's style. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, he's kind of the only one that doesn't adapt to the MCU by getting more quippy and funny. Instead, yeah, less funny. He somehow be yeah, he became more menacing and it adapted perfectly to the MCU. But he was like terrifying in this movie. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, a part of me was disappointed when he. Uh, in the first scene when he breaks the mask, but I mean, like, without the mask, he's he's way like even like I like my favorite scene with him is probably when when he's in the apartment, right? And he doesn't have any of the goblin yeah. stuff. It's just him, right? And he's just pure evil, you know. Because I also like he doesn't have a goal, like because a lot of the other villains are like, oh, I want to stay in this universe, I want to leave. Norman Osborn is just there to ruin Peter's life, <laughs> like in any way possible because it's uh i mean i guess it's kind of similar to the joker in that this is more of a he mentions this a lot like aunt may's moral mission or something like that was to save him norman osborne right yeah and then i guess the green goblins motivation in this movie is to prove to peter how how doing the right thing has a price if that makes sense and he is yeah. trying to punish peter as much as possible 
I guess we're well, basically trying to kill the Green Goblin in a way. Like he was threatening the Green Goblin's life um, in that context. But yeah, and it was just honestly, it was like terrifying in a lot of ways. Uh, some of these scenes and the way he beats down on Peter is the most, I think the probably the most violently we've seen Peter get beaten up in anything mm-hmm. from what I can tell. Um, I yeah. do have to go back and rewatch the first Spider-Man movie, but I would say that this may be Willem Dafoe's best performance as Norman Osborn. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like, there's kind of two sides to the, and in this movie, they really amped up the whole uh, Norman Osborn and, is like a victim of the Green Goblin, if that makes sense. In the first one, I think it might have been better for the movie itself, but in a lot of ways, it was hard to tell when Norman Osborn was Norman Osborn and when the Green Goblin was the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because Norman Osborn himself is supposed to be like, at least at the start, like a very powerful, savage, like industry man, right? So, yeah. like, there's a lot, big part of him that's already like very uh, aggressive. But in this movie, Norman Osborn's definitely at a point where. He's a very scared victim that doesn't know what the hell's going on when the Green Goblin takes over. And they play that up a lot in this, which I was kind of like on because it felt a little more cartoony, actually. Um, but I think worked a lot more for this movie specifically because the the point was to show that these people are victims of, I guess, their own accidents, basically. They made, act- they made mistakes. Yeah, and Norman Osborn in this movie is like a really convincing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type guy mm-hmm. um and actually i would say that like they play up a little bit that norman osborne is a victim of the green goblin but like throughout most of this movie i kind of just see them as two sides of the same guy i mean i guess that's exactly what they are technically but when norman osborne is being you know regular norman osborne being cordial with people and like being scared for his life from the green goblin. There's a part of me that doesn't buy it at all. Like I buy the performance. I get what's going on, but like the character, I just think the character is so malicious that he absolutely, but like, I don't know which one is, which one is the real Norman Osborn because they're they're not really two different people as much as they are played as two different people. Yeah. Well, that's the thing like the, I guess they referenced it in the movie where the Green Goblin was always there in... He was watching from behind the scenes when Norman was in control at the start, right? Because he mm-hmm. references events that happened when he wasn't conscious, if that makes sense, in the body yeah. of Norman Osborn. Um, but I thought that was just really cool because it did kind of... Like that scene where Otto is like, like, oh, aren't you happy you're finally going to be cured? Like, no more darker half or whatever. And you like... It's a very... I mean, it's a it's a normal shot. They showed it normally, but the way Willem Dafoe kind of turns to Otto, and it's not even in a malicious way, but it fills you with doubt of like, oh my god, like something something's not right. But I can't tell if this is Norman just being Norman or this is the Green Goblin's back, and mm-hmm. he's like gonna do something right. But that whole sequence is really well played out. The when Peter's trying to like that spider sense scene where Peter's trying to figure out who the threat in the room is when there's like five villains around him or four <laughs> villains, I guess at the same time, that was so cool. And when you find out it's Norman, it's just, Oh my God, the, this like chills, man, that was crazy to see, especially the change, you know, like it was so cool, especially because like, it was like the villains were scared of Norman when he changed, you know, like even they were like, Holy shit. Like who the hell is this guy? You know? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, I guess, made him feel like the ultimate threat to Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the villains I wanted to talk about. We've been going pretty long. We can keep going longer. Was there anything else that we like didn't talk about yet that you wanted to talk about? I guess the okay, the one problem I kind of had with this was I thought the third act was a little messy in terms of the the set piece. I don't know why that is, but like it might be like I don't know. John Watts never really struck struck me as a great action director, but if you compare like the the fight scenes in that the last act to like Infinity War or something, because I guess it's tough to choreograph like a huge group fight because there was what like six different characters in their own kind of battles at the same time, right? Yeah, uh, minimum. Yeah, and but I just I found it kind of hard to follow, and this the darkness of the scene kind of ruined it for me. Um, if you compare that to the Russos, I think the Russos really kind of highlighted how well you can do like a a fight scene with multiple characters. Especially when we're comparing with Infinity War. Infinity War has that entire act that's just three different fight scenes that they keep switching between, all of which are great. Yeah, yeah. Well, three different fight scenes, because what, they have Titan... Well, they have, there's that one point where they have Thor's making the hammer on the star, and then the yeah. fight on... I guess, no, they never happen at the same time. There's a fight on Titan, and there's a fight in Wakanda... But then there's like multiple fights in between those fights, if that makes sense. But like the fight in Wakanda is just so many combatants that what you're actually seeing is like a bunch of little fights. And the fight on Titan is one big fight, but like, you know, it's only ever two or three people acting at any given time. And then the Thor making his hammer is choreographed like a fight, even though it really isn't yeah but yeah i, I think like their ability to interweave like not just like the fight but like each part of the fight has like its own kind of plot line yeah um and payoff that is edited in a really well good way to, for the audience to never be bored but then also understand what's happening at any time mm-hmm. and the third act of this movie didn't really have that even though there were like a lot of cool moments yeah i think it was like a little messy and uh which is unfortunate because i think it could have been a lot, I guess, a lot better than it was. And it didn't really let us see, like, the Spider-Man shine as much as I would have liked. So, yeah. Um, also, the first, we didn't really talk about the first act a lot. Like, I feel like, like, I, I really, I, I gotta give credit. I never really liked MJ that much or Ned. I, I always liked Ned, actually. MJ really sold me in this movie. I guess, I think Zendaya did a really, really good job. She had a lot more to um, do in this movie, too. Not that she didn't have anything to do in the last two movies, but she was a very minor character, even though she's, you know, supposed to be like a main character from these movies. Yeah. And, in this and I, she I think like really stood out. Yeah, definitely. Actually, probably at this point, my favorite, like, I guess, love and I, I hate saying that, but she's my favorite love interest character so far. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I, I feel like they kept kind of stepping it up. Uh, I'm really, I think I'm going to miss them a lot in the next movies i guess since they probably won't be there well yeah that, that's kind of one of my fears for the next movie is as much as i want to see more of ned and mj i also really hope they're not in the next movie because as a friend of mine has pointed out marvel has a bad habit of setting up at the end of its movies new status quos and then immediately forgetting them because like this is the yeah. biggest status quo shift they've had in a while but like Iron Man 3 is another example. At the very end, he destroys all the Iron Man suits. And then there's a bunch more Iron Man movies. 
Yeah, it didn't really... Like, I wouldn't have minded more Iron Man movies. Because I don't think anyone was like, this is the end of Iron Man. No, but, but I, like... I think it would have been cool to have a an arc where... I was expecting an Age of Ultron where he would take time to get back into the Iron Man suit. Yeah. After Ultron, like, was messed up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so you know, one thing I don't yeah. want... I wouldn't mind Zendaya and Ned, I guess, being being back soon. I want them to be back in more Marvel movies. But, like... I think that they should not immediately know Peter in the next movie because then this status quo shift is just not mm-hmm. important. It just didn't mean anything. Yes, kind of ruined. But I, yeah, I, I am going to miss them. I thought Doctor Strange also was kind of cool as like the mentor figure in this. I, I was kind of upset when he he kind of got manhandled by Peter. I thought that was a little... Because I, I guess he wasn't trying to hurt Peter, but it still felt unrealistic to me that Spider-Man in any way could beat Doctor Strange, you know? I thought it worked kind of well. And this is one where I think it works well in the con- in the greater Marvel context because Doctor Strange is still kind of full of himself in the MCU. Like he's very, he is a very wise character who can do a lot of things, but he makes a bunch of stupid choices. Most in this movie, like that's all he does. He makes a bunch of stupid choices because he feels like he can because he's... not the sorcerer supreme anymore but he still feels like he is and so i think that the the big confrontation between peter and dr strange in this worked really well for me because it also functions as a major moment in dr strange's overarching character arc from a lot of these movies where like now dr strange is being punished for his hubris and it's not that he hasn't been before he has been in each of his movies or in his movie and like most of his movies but like he kind of needs to keep being punished for doing stupid things so that he has a good arc in Multiverse of Madness. That's true, yeah. Well, I'm surprised. It seems like it connects a lot more to this movie than I thought. Not Maybe not necessarily Peter, but like the actions of what he does might, yeah. Even though I'm not really sure, because like, would he remember casting the spell to forget know, who Peter might. is? Or like, how does that work? I don't know. Anyways, yeah. I, I sorry, I, I just I feel like we've missed a lot of what the I guess the original trilogy gave us. Oh, Aunt May too. I thought I'm finally happy I'm I'm really happy with uh Marissa Tomei. I'm happy they kinda yeah. gave her an actual role in a movie for once. And I thought she did it really well. You know, when she dies, I was gutted, even though I mean I, I think it would have hit a lot more if she had more of a role in the other movies, but like it was still really, really cool to see her, I guess, be in this case, like it wasn't just Uncle Ben, but Aunt May that kind of instills that mentor or like that responsibility in Peter. And I really like that. It was, you know, I think that's brings her, brought her up a lot. Yeah, I like that a lot. And like the way she was, you know, helping Peter. I don't know. It was just all really cool. I thought she did it really well. It's not so, even yeah. just that she says the line that Uncle Ben always says. Like her entire arc is trying to get Peter to take responsibility for his actions. Like all of these people are in this universe because of you. Don't send them back because it's not your problem. Help them. And that's where the entire plot of the movie comes Mm -hmm. from. Yeah. And it was just cool, I guess, seeing Peter disagree with that at first, but then slowly, you know, change Mm -hmm. to learn that, you know. Yeah, I really, this was probably like, I guess I'm, I'm just happy Aunt May, because I loved Aunt May in the original Spider-Man movies, and I feel like she's been mm-hmm. mostly ignored until this movie, finally, which is I, I thought was really cool. And yeah, it, it is nice having her 
I, mean, I don't know what Uncle Ben was in this universe, but she was kind of, she's the person that truly inspires Peter to be a hero, I guess, mm. in this universe. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Last thing is uh, Daredevil. Daredevil was cool. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah, he ha- he gets a line where he says, I'm a really good lawyer after <laughs> catching a brick. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's all I, I wish he had more, but that was really cool. I'm, I'm glad that we got what we did. He was a nice little cameo. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, this movie was paced really well. I've seen it three times, and I haven't been bored watching it. I am yet. really excited to go and see it again if I can ever get in. Ever get in, <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate. Wait, so how would you rank this with the other Spider-Man movies? Um, I'm just going to say right off the bat, like I don't really want to give a rating to this movie. I'll rank it, but I'm just going to say I'm ranking it instead of rating it. I mean, it's a tough uh, movie to rank just because it's like pure I mean, fan service in a lot of ways. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I think to really accurately rank it, in my opinion, I would have to go back and watch all of them, which I plan to do eventually anyway. But like, I would probably put this at a solid... I I mean, I'd put it in the top five for sure. Probably in the top two or three. I'm just not sure. Like, it's it's not number one. Number one for me is and probably will always be Spider-Man 2. And then right after that, is either Spider-Man or maybe this one. Hmm, okay. Probably. For me, this might be my favorite Spider-Man movie when I think about it. It's like this and Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 are like tied. Oh, I completely forgot Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah Into the Spider-Verse yeah. is probably before this one. Before this one, yeah. Um, I just like, I guess it's tough to compare because I think they all bring a lot of quick qualities in different ways. Like, I think Spider-Man 2, even though, you know, it's not as maybe exciting in some ways as these other movies i think it it truly is like peter parker in its most rawest form which i really appreciate and that no other movie offers because even though this movie like you know it's really brutal on peter i still think spider-man 2 him having having him be a a very down on his luck normal person uh is just really inspiring to see i guess Mm -hmm. because yeah into the spider-verse is great but we don't really get that and this one like i think is really good but I, I guess I wish, like, to me, I think it, what kind of holds it back is, I mean, I love having Toby and Andrew there, but it still kind of feels like they're not tacked on, but, like, it's definitely, like, I don't want to say, because they don't really get pure arcs, if that makes sense, right? I love Into the Spider-Verse, because it's, like, every, all the other interdimensional Spider-Man characters get, like, really well-defined arcs, you know? And they all grow a lot, whereas this this one felt much more fan servicey, which I'm not complaining about. It was fun, but like they weren't, they did not grow as characters in this movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's easier for me to judge into the Spider Verse as a standalone movie because it mm-hmm. is, and this one yeah. like isn't. And I I think it's really good despite not being a standalone movie. But I honestly don't know how much of my perception of this movie is colored by the fact that I know all the other things it's referencing. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess giving us a ranking stuff, you're right. I mean, for me, I will definitively say top five. I don't know where in the top five for sure, but, like, I gave, you know, it's it's up there. It's very, very, very high up. Yeah. But, yeah, watch. This is a good movie. I mean, everyone's seen it already. <laughs> but like, For sure. If you haven't seen it, you should you should still watch it. I'm you like I don't have to it, tell you that. If you haven't seen it and you're at the end of our feature-length episode about Spider-Man, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I respect the 
integrity to watch the entire episode without having seen spider-man yet though so if you have done that lots of respect so technically this was our first episode of the year but it kind of feels like it was our last episode of the year instead i mean i'm i'm saying that as a very clumsy way of saying our next episode is going to be our year in review i'm really excited for it i've been thinking about it all day i just want to record it as soon as possible but everyone that's hearing this will probably hear it in about one week from when you hear this yeah, sounds about right. I guess this one's going to be a lot harder than 2020's uh, year-end review. I mean, I've already like... decided that, like, I I think it's it's so hard for me to rank specifically all the movies I've seen in 2021 that I've decided I am going to make a top five, but it's probably not the definitive top five. I'm just going to, like, try and focus on movies I really want to highlight for people. But I have also said that my top one and two are going to be my actual top one and two. Okay. Very cool. I think there's a couple of movies I might try to watch before that. Like pig. You sent me pig. I still haven't seen it, but I keep hearing it's a very good movie. Oh, so. you gotta see pig. I was I literally, I was, a, I was about yeah. to ask like, Hey, can we just record immediately after this? But I mean, first off the answer is probably no, <laughs> but also you got to watch pig. Yeah. Because so, I, I know that's in your list. I know it's going to be in your list, right? It's it's not. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. Maybe it's not then. really good, though. You should watch okay. it. It's oh, going to be cool. my secret movie recommendation of the day. Everybody, okay. uh, Jeff, Jeff's movie recommendation of the day, Pig. Go watch Pig. It is straight up maybe the best Nicolas Cage performance to date. I really got to think about that. But if it's not the best, it's, it's up there. Very up there. Okay, cool. But yeah, anyways, I guess... That's our Spider-Man review. Yeah, what's the last word, Pierre? Pizza time. Pizza time.